What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Relentless Life Podcast. I'm your host, Chance Galloway. I created this podcast to help individuals find their purpose in life, to never give up, and to learn how to live relentlessly through the minds of individuals who exemplify what it means to live a relentless lifestyle. Are you ready to take this journey with me? Let's take off. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to another episode on The Relentless Life. I'm your host, Chance Galloway, and thank you so very much for tuning in today. I am so excited for you all to hear my interview with Mr. Mark Metry. Mark is a 23-year-old TEDx speaker. He's a published author, podcaster, online coach and consultant, and much more. Mark has been featured in Forbes magazine, He's also featured in over 250 plus podcasts and media streams. He's the author and coach of Screw Being Shy, host of his global top 100 podcast, Humans 2.0, which you can now find as Social Anxiety Society. He is also an international virtual speaker. Mark also spends the majority of his time helping others with their mental health. I am so excited for you all to hear Today's interview with Mark, we dive deep into social anxiety, a little bit about Mark, what nutrients might affect our mental health, and just how important the micro is compared to the macro. We also touch on Mark's experience with being Forbes featured, a TEDx speaker, and much, much more. I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Without no further ado, please help me in welcoming Mr. Mark Metry to The Relentless Life. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to another episode on The Relentless Life. My name is Chance Galloway, your host of this show. And today with me is Mr. Mark Metry, who is a 23-year-old published author, has been featured in Forbes, is a TEDx speaker, has a podcast with over 500 episodes that have been viewed over 50 million times. These are just a few Uh, accolades to Mark's name, few things that he's done in his young career. There's so much to come for Mr. Mark Metry. I'm honored to have him on today with me. Mark, welcome to the show. I'm excited to extract some answers today, man. Chance, thank you so much for inviting me, man. And um, it's it's been great to see also what you're building as well, man. And it's great to have like-minded people together. It it is, man. It is. And that's, that's exactly what we're here on The Relentless Life. And, you know, I know your movement is quite a bit bigger than, than mine and what I got going on. And that's kind of what we were just talking about before, you know, I hit record, but it's not so much about that. And, uh, you know, I look up to somebody like you, we're the same, you're you're actually a little bit younger than me. That just goes to show you that age is not a number. So I'm very excited to learn from you. I'm very excited to, um, as I said before, extract some information, some knowledge from you, your background, what you've been through, what you've had to overcome that in my opinion, deems you as relentless. That's why I thought you were the perfect guest for this show. Um, So let's start off by giving a full debriefing of who you are and what you represent. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, I'm I'm so relentless today, but just like everything, it it didn't start off that way. Um, And, you know, for me, I do so many different things, but really the way that I describe it is, you know, 
I today do for a living every single day, proudly and purposefully, what I genuinely try to avoid for mostly my entire life. And, you know, really what I'm talking about is like, for every single day of my life, I woke up and I was just like, you know, I'm, I don't want to show up to the world. I don't want to, I want to hide from the world. I don't want anybody to know who I am. I don't want anyone to know my story. And today, you know, for a living, whether it's through my podcast or speaking or books or being an entrepreneur, being an advisor, that's like all I do. And Mm. so it's just kind of funny (laughs) the way that that kind of like works out. Sure. Um, And yeah, I mean, I can talk more about like my, um, like how I started off and stuff. But um, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear where, so obviously you're, you're an immigrant, right? So, so my parents are immigrants. They came here and then I was born. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So So I just made it. You're a son of immigrants. Right, 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 right. (laughs) So talk a little bit about that. I'm sure you have heard some stories from your parents. First of all, where, where are your parents from? Egypt. You're from Egypt. That's cool, man. That's a, I don't think I know anybody from Egypt. That is a very (laughs) unique descent, you know? The ancient Egyptians, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, human history, man. A lot of stuff. Um, So I'm sure they have some like crazy story. No, I have some crazy stories. Well, I'm sure you do. Absolutely. No, absolutely. But just, just coming here, I mean, obviously you weren't even born yet, but. Have you heard of like anything that was kind of remarkable of like them coming here, like the hurdles they had to overcome? You know, I'm, I'm, as I'm asking you this, I'm thinking about Ronnie Gupta, Ford's first female engineer. I interviewed her, I think it was episode 28 and she shared her story over an hour and a half. And it like almost brought me to tears just hearing what she went through to just to get to the States. And then once she got here and was working for Ford, and all the ridicule that she got for not only being female, but somebody that was not of American descent. Um, so I guess you can go into, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a crazy, story crazy, a crazy journey. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a crazy journey. And I it love is. learning about, I love learning about people's journeys too. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that I think about personally is, you know, when my parents came here, it was like 1995. 1996 and so no cell phones really um and so i just like imagine like you growing up in a certain country egypt like with your friends your family this language this like culture this way of life sure and then you're just like screw it like we're gonna We're gonna take a shot and we're just gonna like try to do this and i have an older sister and she was born at the time Okay. And it's just like, let's just like go to like America and in hopes of like giving our kids better lives. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, they had, they put in a lot of sacrifice for sure. And when they came here and when I was born, I mean, I remember the first couple of few years we lived in America, we we're just straight up mm. living in the hood. Mm. <laughs> like I, you know, remember seeing like, crazy things um very interesting things um and yeah you know for me like when i think about my life um you know like there's all there's all kinds of things that immigrants go through you know whether it's sure 
you know, whether it's, you know, struggling financially, uh, working all the time, um, any kind of like discrimination, racism, ridicule, all those things. Um, and for me, when I look back as like the most impactful sort of time, uh, like in my life is, you know, I remember we were sort of living in the inner city uh, with yeah. my family. And, um, and as my parents got better jobs, we moved out to like a small town. And I remember moving to the small town and this was, um, this was like 2003 or 2006 or something like that. And so like in America, this was, uh, this was like post nine 11. Right. And so a lot of, a lot of things changed. Um, and so basically I remember being like this kid who just like showed up in this very small town of like five, six, 7,000 people. And really it was maybe like myself and maybe like a couple other families in the entire town that, that looked different compared to everybody else. And I remember sort of moving into this new school and really for the first time in my life, just like facing, you know, discrimination, racism, bullying, abuse, just like random people. And when I look back at that now, that was really sort of the, the seed and, um, and sort of like the, the, the environment, I guess, for really what then began the next 10 years of my life, which mm. was just every single day experiencing like very extreme social anxiety. And I just like became that kid who just like had no friends and who just like sat in the back, never spoke up, uh, was always alone, never played any sports, never, never just right. did anything really. And so that was my life for a long time. Um, it feels like an entire lifetime, honestly. I bet. But then eventually when I, when I was 18, I I just hit like a new low where I basically like my lifelong social anxiety that I always had turned into like social isolation. Mm. And I just got super depressed and I just couldn't go to sleep at night and I couldn't wake up in the morning um, I, I became overweight. I became obese. And there was even a time where I was just like, I'm just going to end my life. And, um, and I was like suicidal for about like a month. And so, yeah, man, I mean, it was eventually <clears throat> like through that process in which I just like slowly started to crawl you know, out, be crawl. Yeah. Crawl yeah. out, be yeah, awakened, yeah. start understanding uh -huh. that there's a totally different side of life. And then like, you know, becoming successful in a different yeah. kind of way and all yeah. that stuff. No, man, I, I, I love that's that's why I wanted you to get on onto my show because I am in love with your story and I'm in love with how you overcame everything. Like the obesity, the pr racial profiling, you know, it's it's incredible. And the reason why I started this movement was for people like your eighteen year old self. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I would really like it if we could make the majority. And that's why I prepared most of my questions in the way that I did about mental health and mental awareness, because this is also something that I have struggled with that I still struggle with. And it might look pretty from the outside that chance has it all together. And I even said that in a recent live on Instagram that I don't have it all together. And I'm sure you still don't have it all together and we never will. But that's the beautiful part about what people like you and I do is to help people realize that, to identify with that. 
that there is somebody in there. There's another life to discover. And, you know, I wanted to um, applaud you for changing the narrative of your podcast from humans 2.0. Not that there was anything wrong with it because you did a freaking awesome job with that show with the 500 plus episodes, but the direction and the niche now that you're in and that you, you have taken with the social anxiety society, which by the way is so damn catchy. I love it. Um, but it's, I, I think that it's the perfect niche for you, Mark, and you are going to reach a lot of people. I already have many friends, many acquaintances, um, coworkers, people that follow me, that I am going to push them in your direction because now that is your like, Thank you know, you're doing those 10, 15 minute videos. And, and for some people, an hour podcast is just too much. They don't have the attention span for that. That's how I used to be, right? They don't want to hear Chance or Marco on and on and on for two hours, right? But yeah. I think that's perfect, creating 10, 15 minute videos for people just like that. And let's let's dive right into that. I know we kind of brushed the surface here with social anxiety, but Let's start by defining what social anxiety is. Let's Excellent. let's start let's start with that. Yeah, social anxiety is basically it's it's basically like this almost like this permanent perception, like your right. default mode. Uh, where basically your brain is always operating under the circumstance of you feel like if you don't try like really hard or sort of compensate like as to who you naturally are, then people are going to judge you and mock you. And so like, that's like the conceptual definition, but in terms of like what that actually means is for some, some people that have social anxiety aren't necessarily shy. Mm. Um, but a lot of them are, but basically what that means is like when it comes to people, social situations, you try to talk to someone, you try to say something, you try to think of something to socially interact with someone. And then next thing you know, your brain just like starts overthinking, you freeze, Mm -hmm. your throat clenches, you can't speak, or maybe you stutter, uh, your throat starts to like get tight. You maybe you start to tap your legs, you start feeling heat, you start mm-hmm. feeling like, you know, hot flashes on your forehead, your armpits, your palms. And then you just like sort of either walk away awkwardly or you just don't talk. And then on the inside, what happens is you're going through like this entire mental di- dialogue of like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I talk to people? I'm always going to be like this. I suck. And then you're like, you know what? Let me try harder. And then the next day you try it again and the same pattern happens and the same pattern happens and the same pattern happens. Mm. And then you start building all the stress and this pain. And then next thing you know, you start to alter your life. You're like, you know what? I'm just going to not talk to people anymore. Or I'm just going to um, you know, stop going to this sport or this club or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um And so, yeah, I mean, it's also why, like, for example, Harvard did a meta-analysis study and they found that social anxiety out of all the mental health issues has the highest correlation with social isolation, substance abuse, and suicide. Mm. And a lot of times that's because when you have social anxiety, you know, it's hard enough for like the average person to speak about their mental health. But it's like a hundred times, I mean, a thousand times harder for someone in that same situation who also has social anxiety 
which is a mental health condition that makes someone believe that they can just never be themselves. And if they do, then they're just going to get shut down at, at not just like at a level of like being nervous about it, but like at a, like a biological level. And next thing you know, a lot of the times the onset of this begins around nine, 10, 11, and someone doesn't get the help they need. They don't, um, you know, like they don't talk to anybody about it. And then what happens is 10 years pass and then now they have more serious issues. Right. And hopefully they get help or else, unfortunately, you know, they suicide either, happens. Yeah. Suicide or substance <clears throat> abuse or social isolation, or sure. they just end up working a career that they don't really want to work for the rest of their lives because they're not doing what they want to do because everything you, you want to do has to do with interacting with people. And so a lot of times they'll purposefully, but not really want to put themselves in just like a career that isn't really something they want to do just so that they don't have to talk to people or be right. there at the face of that. It's very brutal. It, it is. It is. Now, I, w- I want to hear a little bit about now you did talk about it, a little bit about your experience with social anxiety uh, just a bit deeper so the listeners can get an idea of your perspective. And you obviously speak with a lot of confidence and for those of the people that are just listening and that don't know you, you sound confident. You sound like you have it all under control, but I think it would be much more valuable if they knew actually that state of mind in which you were at at 18 years old, 19 years old, and now you're only 23. So that's a pretty quick turnaround for most people. So let's, yeah. let's hear a little bit about, about that. Yeah, for sure. And I, and honestly, I'm, you know, I'm still not confident in every single moment of every single day. Sure. You know what I mean? And yeah, and I, and definitely last year was definitely, definitely an interesting year. Definitely had a lot of not so great moments for sure. But (laughs) it's, but it's just like, I take this so seriously, you know, like I feel like for me, one of the biggest reasons as to how I was able to bounce back quickly, better than ever transformed is like, like I, I was like, Again, I don't, I don't wish the sort of um, like rock bottom state that I was in for, on anybody. Mm. But also, when you are at that level, you are just hit with like so much pain that eventually like in your head, you just realize that you don't have a choice. And you're like, I'm either going to like do this every single day right. or I'm going to become a statistic. And so, you know, for me, it's like, I, I don't like, I think a lot of people, they listen to podcasts, they hear about this and the way that they treat it is like a hobby. They treat it like their life and their state of mind as like a side hustle. And yeah, I mean, if your life isn't that bad, like, yeah, maybe you don't got to put too much work in, but for someone like me, dude, I literally needed so much help. And that's why I had to take this so seriously, like every single day. And that's why I got the results that I got, which made me realize that like, your like your ability to focus and to desire something is more important than like your intelligence. No. Oh. Hmm. And and the other bigger thing that I had to realize as well is like I had to learn that the world is always moving. It's always changing and and so am I. And I say that because when I learned that everything in life, your ability to experience life is actually a skill that you can learn, everything hmm. changed. And so for me, like when I was 18, I realized for the first time that I actually had social anxiety previously before I knew that I would, I was just like the most like low self-esteem, low self-confidence person, because I just thought that like, 
like I like there's just something wrong with my personality. I didn't know mm. what mental health was. I didn't know what social anxiety was. I didn't know that this was like a like a biological like nervous system sort of issue. But I was treating it as like a moral or like a character issue, which is not. Mm. And so I feel like a lot of people who experience this social anxiety, a lot of the times they're extremely hardworking. A lot of times they're very, very, very smart. A lot of times they're very empathetic towards people. They're very attuned to their emotions. And that's also why they are, you know, sort of more susceptible to potentially experience something like social anxiety. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, for me, for me, in my experience, when I was 18 and I actually realized that social anxiety was a thing, it was good from that perspective of like, wow, there isn't something like wrong with my character. Mm. Uh, but it was also interesting on the other side, because when I learned that, I, I was like, okay, let me let me do something about this, right? Let me go tackle it, right? And so what I tried to do is I tried to be social. I remember I was in college at that time, and mm-hmm. so I just like tried to make friends. I tried to like go around my college's library, sure. my cafeteria, and what happened, Chance, was I would like walk up to someone, and then literally the whole like nervous system, social anxiety, what I call algorithm would just start. Mm. And then next thing I knew, I would just walk away. Because you were like, I I don't don't want to expose myself or or be humiliated. That's what you were saying. Yeah. 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 That's what I was thinking. And then also like, because I had done this every single day of my life for 10 years, Mm. now this is also like a part of like literally my cells in my body. And so a lot of the times, like, like something that I talk about is like, if, if this happens to you so often and now it's like, now it's like an actual mental health condition that you've been experiencing for over 10 years, then a lot of the times you can't just force yourself to do that. And so basically I would just see myself go through the same pattern, even though I wanted to, uh, but I just, I, I just couldn't do it. And so what happened as a result of that is I just got more depressed. I was like, wow, I'm always going to be like this. No matter what I do, I'm just going to be stuck like this. Mm. And so when that thinking started, then you know, a lot of sort of like my depression, a lot of like, I started to eat my emotions away. Mm-hmm. I started to drink too much alcohol, do too many drugs, watch too much Netflix, watch too much porn, play too many video games. I just yeah, wanted all to- toxicity. Yeah. All toxic, toxic. All yeah. toxic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so eventually it led me to a point where I just couldn't fall asleep at night. And, you know, throughout my entire life, I've always had sleep problems and- but this was probably the, the worst it ever got. And so I'm basically like, I'm obese. I'm depressed. I don't, I have friends that are trying to talk to me, but I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm ignoring everyone. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like trying to fall asleep at night. It's like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. And I'm just like, I literally want to die. And so I remember like I would go for these walks at like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. in, um, in Boston. I mean, the city that Boston is a nice city, but there's like these neighboring little, uh, outside towns that let's just say aren't as nice, uh, have a lot of shootings, a lot of gang activity, things like that. And so basically what I would do is I would go for walks in those bad areas at night. And I would just like fantasize and just like hope that someone will walk up to me and just end my life, just kill wow. me just so I could, just so I could not deal with it. Wow. Um, and so, yeah. And so when I experienced that, I mean, a lot of things happen, you know, like one is like, I started listening to listening to podcasts for the first time. And I came across this podcast episode by, from Tim Ferriss. Mm. And he talked about the time where he was in college and he was suicidal. 
Mm-hmm. And so that was very interesting because that got me to slowly start thinking like, wait, this guy today, he's super successful now, but in college he was suicidal. Wait, I'm in college. I'm in suicidal. I'm right. in the same place. Maybe our futures may be similar as well. And so it got me thinking like that. And then also like, I, I honestly had like a very deep emotional experience on uh, one of those nights where I was walking. I remember I was walking and I wasn't looking at my phone. I wasn't feeling distracted. Um, and I remember just like looking down walking and I remember just like all of a sudden hearing like nothing, hearing just, just pitch black silence. Just not, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember like, it was so silent that it was, it was almost as if like someone like hit mute. Like mm. that's the best way to describe it. And I remember like in that moment, I remember just like looking up and I remember just like looking around and being like, like like, what am I doing? And I remember just like, sort of like realizing the trance, like the unconscious trance that I was in of trying to end my life. Cause I didn't know it at the time. My brain is just sort of running it. And I just sort of looked around. And I was like, wait, what am I doing? And I remember like, when I realized what I was doing, I remember just like literally running home and just like crying. Yeah. And, and I remember like running home and, um, and going upstairs to my dorm room. And I remember opening my bathroom and then just like kind of looking at myself in the mirror and then all of a sudden just being like, wait, who am I? And like just making kind of direct eye contact with myself in the mirror. And I remember one of the interesting things that also happened was all of a sudden I felt like my pants were tight. And I remember hmm. take, like like putting my like, you know, putting my finger down my waist and like seeing and I remember like feeling that my pants were super tight. And I remember being like, wait, I don't remember like buying or wearing tight pants. And like, that was the first time where like, I looked at myself in the mirror and I realized like, oh my God, I'm, I'm obese. I'm overweight. The <laughs> last six months, all of a sudden you, I just like gained all this weight. I didn't even realize it. Just like I didn't even too. realize it. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even realize it. And wow. so, and like, and like, there's that quote that says, you don't wow. know, you don't know. Um, no, no, it's uh, the quote is when you're in the picture, you don't know you're in the frame. Yeah, but it's, it's very hard to do. And, and like, honestly, mm. I didn't even realize this at the time, but, but I say that story because when I did realize I was overweight, that was the first thing that like my mind could detect, like what was wrong. Because at sure. that time I had, I had never heard of like self-development. I had never, I didn't even know what mental health was. I didn't know what anxiety was. And so for me, what I could see was just my physical body. And, and, and so I, I like slowly started sort of my journey out of this dark spot through just like trying to learn about food, trying to learn about yeah. nutrition, trying to learn about how do I lose weight. And then that propelled me into like literally becoming who I am, turning my brain back on, learning all these things, starting a podcast. And so that was like the first sort of step. It was kind of on accident in a way. Sure. Sure. No, I, I like that, man. I like how, how, uh, the way you explained it, it was a physical thing that you could visually see in front of you. I feel like most of your mental health and social anxiety, like it's all in your head and you can't see what's going on inside of your, of your brain. You can't see through all the traffic, through all the noise, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm a very, I'm a visual learner and I know a lot of my listeners are visual yeah. as well. A lot of people are visual. And when you had explained, you looked down at your, at your pants and you were like, why are these so tight? You didn't, you didn't realize it because for the last six months you were so lost in a trance in, you know, you had no idea what was going on around you. You were so miserable. 
And that's just pretty yeah. crazy that your mind can be that distracted that you don't even realize that, oh my God, I put on 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds, you know, as, as an example. So that's, that's pretty remarkable, man. For sure. That you I were think able I had to notice. On, yeah, for sure. And I think I had put on like 75, 80 pounds, which was, which is crazy. <laughs> that um, is, man. Holy. And, and, it, and what's also crazy too is that depending on your environment, depending on who's around you, like what I've learned is that your mind can normalize anything. And I remember I have a, I had a friend of mine who actually was born and, and like he, he spent his childhood in a communist country before mm. it collapsed. Mm. And he like, he like literally told me that he had no idea he was in communism. And he was like, Oh, I just thought that he was there. When you, yeah. When I know, I just thought that you, like when you went to the grocery store, I thought that it was always empty and like, you could only go in a certain time in the morning before everyone else, and all this stuff. And then he was like, yeah, that's what I've learned. Like the mind has the incredible power to normalize anything. And like, what happens is like all of a sudden, like that's your kid, your kid, your kid, you face some sort of experience, something that changes you forever. And the next thing you know, you just have the same feelings. You have the same feelings, you have the same feelings, you have the same feelings. You go to the same school, you see, you see the same people around you. Next thing you know, your life literally just becomes like frozen and like a block and it's static and you feel like you can't change anything because you're not even sort of there. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's like, again, in my book I talk about, I'm like, yo, the human mind is the worst prison to be locked Mm -hmm. inside of because you don't know where the jail cell begins and ends. And as someone who has, who experienced social anxiety for eight, nine, 10 years and never even realized it (laughs) and like never even knew, like, that's like the biggest like mind, you know, mess ever. And so that's why I think like, and like for, for me, for example, like in my book, it's called screw being shy. Yeah. Right. So people hear the word shy. That's like societally be, you know, societally acceptable. People hear the word introvert. People learn, people hear the word, Oh, be yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like I try to use some of these, you know, sort of words to yeah, sort yeah. of show people this deeper idea of like social anxiety that kind of like impacts a certain percentage of the population but then everyone is impacted by mental health, whether yeah. you have experienced a mental health issue or you probably will in the future or you have a loved one who's experienced some sort of a mental health issue. And like the biggest thing, too, that I want to say is like, yeah, like there's a lot of people who especially young people, you sort of you you're, you ha- you maybe have a goal, maybe you don't. But you just sort of like get get up every day and you're just like trying to do something, whether it's mm. school, whether it's work, and you're just like trying your best. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying to go as you know as you move as you go along. And I think a lot of the times, like especially when you're young, you have like your your brain and your body and your mind. They're trying to like protect you more from the sense of like we know that from ages zero to eighteen, if you look at someone's like brain scans your brain is like literally pumping you with so many different like neurotransmitters just to like get you through childhood and get you through like this whole like childhood development experience. And then what happens is after 18, there's just like a natural decline of your brain shifting into sort of an adult brain, which there's less dopamine, there's less serotonin, there's less these neurotransmitters to sort of pump you through that childhood life of just you know, you keep going and, and even if you are in a miserable environment and your mind just sort of like normalizes <clears> it and you just sort of like go along. Um, and, and I think a lot of times like you're, you, you, you're 20, you're 24, you don't really have any problems, but then all of a sudden maybe something happens, a big stress happens 
And then all of a sudden, life just feels completely different in a way that you've never experienced it before in a not so positive way. And you don't know yeah. what to do. Yeah. And like, that's when like your mental health and like, that's when, you know, sort of the, the habits, the preventative things that you can do. And I mean, it's interesting because they've done studies and they show that like dementia, Alzheimer's, the sort of physical brain degenerative diseases that impact you when you're usually older impacts millions of people in the U S and the rates are growing. Mm. They've shown that like one of the biggest factors is like that starts in your twenties. And like, for example, one of the biggest factors is like doing heavy drinking. So like heavy drinking in your twenties literally impacts your life, especially if you don't take charge of your health, then you're 65. And then all of a sudden your brain has been heavily inflamed, heavily damaged and like, maybe it's too late for you. I hate to say it's too late. I, I don't think it's too late for anyone, but I, for some <clears> people, <throat> it is, you know, and so for yeah. me, it's just like trying to put out this message of like, if you do this proactively, life is going to reward you. Like you're, it's going to be less pain overall. Um, you know, you're going to, you're going to be better off. You're going to, it's going to be easier The earlier you start, the easier it is generally speaking. And so, yeah, man, I mean, I think everyone in this country and in the world just needs to have an honest conversation about, you know, how mental health kind of fits into their life, practically, realistically thinking. But it's also a hard conversation because a lot of people have experienced different struggles with it, whether it's them or their family. And and, and like nobody really talks about it, you know, due to the cultural, uh, religious aspects. There's so many sort of factors that go into sort of what compels someone to share and talk. Right. But when we as a society don't share or talk about anything, and there's a natural stigma, and especially like as humans, as like we like you said, we can't see, we can't see our brain, and so with our brain, mental health, there's going to be an even bigger stigma just because we can't see it. You know. So it's an yeah. interesting conversation. <clears throat> Extremely interesting conversation, and there's. There's a few things I want to I want to touch on based on what you just said. It's like I'm trying to grab all these thoughts. I'm like I want to respond to this. I want to respond to that, which I think is totally <laughs> normal. But one of those things being, um, I'm a, I'm a personal trainer. I've been a trainer for the last six years, so I deal nice. with the physical attributes of physical fitness, of getting the body moving, putting a joint through motion, because a healthy body is a healthy mind. But what I don't address, and I'm not certified in, is the mind, and that kind of just clicked for me. I'm, I'm a huge advocate for mental health, huge on meditation, on mindfulness practices, nice. you know, breathing exercises, uh, daily uh, um, gratification in my journal. And I try to tell other people, you know, to get them doing that as well, that it can help them better prepare themselves to, to live a better, a better life. Now, the one thing that just kind of clicked with me here is you have that other aspect. You're practicing that other aspect, which in my opinion is actually more important. Now they obviously go hand in hand, your physical well-being, your physical health, and then your mental health. But if you're not all, if you're not good up top, you know, everything underneath you're, we we're connected by, by our spine, by our, our brain, brain to spine connection. And it's, you know, if that's compromised, your body is going to suffer because of it. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I love what you're saying, and I mean, if someone walked up to me and they're like, "Yo, how how do I take care of my time of my mind in the most like sustainable, long term, healthy way?" That's gar- not guaranteed, but it's, it's proven based on like the most amount of data. I would say, I would say, eat healthy and yeah. only eat healthy. Mm. I would say do some kind of. I would do. I would say either meditation slash sleep. 
um, in terms of like their importance. Sleep is and then huge. I would, and then I would say the quality of your relationships and then having some um, deeper spiritual, fulfilled, purposeful side mm. to you. Mm. And I think if you have those things, obviously, I just said, you know, sort of keywords. Uh, I think those are the, the most important things. And um, it's interesting because like if, if like in terms of what you do as like a physical trainer, like I have different friends of mine who are also physical trainers. And when I talk to them about food and nutrition, mm. they, they think I'm talking about what your world goes off of, which is calories, macros, macronutrients. Yes, macronutrients, sir. you know, yep. but for me, it's I'm like, so what I've learned is, yeah. And so for me, what I've learned is like, for sure, all those things are important, especially if you have fitness goals, you're trying to hit a sure. body. Of course you have to be tracking those things. Sure. But for me, and what we know is that in terms of like the food category, micronutrients. Yes. Yes. Are also essential. And basically what yes. I'm saying is this, right? So like the same way that like if like if you don't need enough calories, if you don't need enough, you know, protein or what you know, whatever, you know more than me. It's not even about like, the calories. Sure, but like in order to eat but the yeah, right, to, you know, the, the right protein, the, the right whatever, right, yeah, yeah, then yeah. you can't build muscle, right? And so what I'm saying is like your brain also has an equivalent to that. And that is yes. like if your brain doesn't get omega-3 essential uh, three fatty acids, if it doesn't get vitamin B12, if it doesn't get zinc, if it doesn't get like, I would say there's about like 10, 12 key like micronutrients for your brain. For sure. I touched a little bit on my my book. And so basically like, you know, in my book, they've done, I mentioned these different studies. Awesome. And they show that like, hey, if you don't consume enough omega-3 essential fatty acids, which are mostly found in things like uh, seafood, then you have a 67% increase in, in suicidal thoughts and depression. That's incredible. Um, and, and, and like really what's happened is like over the last like 10, 20 years, there's been like an entirely different branch of like food science called nutritional psychiatry. Mm. And it, I, I mean, I can explain it to you in a deep way, you know, in terms of like, your gut microbiome that's connected oh. to your neurotransmitters that literally control your, the thoughts in your brain. <clears throat> yep. And so for me, it's like what I've learned in like in my book, I talk about your, especially if you have social anxiety, your biggest starting point in terms of the starting your journey, the, the thing that's going to be the path of like re- least resistance in a good way is going to be mostly nutrition and food because they have done all kinds of different studies across different institutions in America where they show like if your gut microbiome is damaged because you're chronically stressed out because you're not eating the right kinds of foods, you're eating too much sugar, you're drinking too many sodas, uh, sports drinks, all these different things. For some people that like, for some people it's like when they eat too much or they eat too much processed food or they eat too much junk food, for example, some people they gain weight. Mm. their body sort of goes through this inflammatory response their gut microbiome mm-hmm. gets imbalanced and they gain weight for some other people they eat junk food they eat processed they eat artificial chemicals their gut microbiome gets imbalanced their body inflames but it's not necessarily through gaining weight maybe for them it's a skin rash that always appears on their face or they yep. always get acne or maybe for someone else it's insomnia 
Mm. Maybe for someone else, it's anxiety. Mm. And so I'm not necessarily saying that like all of a sudden, if you just, you know, eat healthy, then your brain is going to like, you know, you're going to be good. Takes a while. But what it is, is like, it's, it's the foundation. It's the foundation for building like your neurotransmitters and at least getting your brain a little mm. bit less inflamed. And if you can do that, I can guarantee you when it comes to doing these other things like meditation, working on your mindset, those things are going to be way, way easier because like what a lot of people don't understand is that like we have a human consciousness, right? You have a, you have a subconscious, right? And then you have a biological uh, consciousness as well. And what I'm saying is like, that's the mode that you're in when all of a sudden like you're, you're hungry, you haven't eaten and then you get angry Mm. That's the mode of you where, you know, your biology starts shifting in a way that makes you act and it controls your behavior. Mm. And so both of these things kind of go hand in hand. And so in my opinion, like food and nutrition and sort of like specialized nutrition and, and looking at it from a more specific way is, is, is like the best thing to start off with. Um, and, and so that's the biggest thing that I would say in terms of like people – that yeah. can you know get the most, and I'm happy to go into detail about anything specifically here. Yeah, well, I mean, I know we're a little limited on time tonight. I don't want to take too much of your time, <laughs> unless you wanted to go a little further. Of course, I know some interviews they kind of tend to do that, um, but I'm really glad that you brought that up, and I know that was a talking point that I absolutely wanted to hit was nutrition, and you totally hit the nail on the head when you when you spoke about macro and then transitioned into micro. Now. For those of you guys listening, I've already spoken about this many, many times on how our diet and our nutrition is the foundation, as Mark had just announced. And you can work out as much as you want, and you will never get optimal results unless your diet is not impeccable, is not you know to the highest of standard. It doesn't have to be perfect, but you need to be getting those nutrients. Now, it wasn't until recently, Mark, that I've that I've discovered this animal-based community. Now I know that's, that could be kind of controversial and we don't have to go down that road because I like where you're at with, I like where you're at with eating whole foods and and that is going to completely, not completely, because that would be false of me saying, but that is going to solve 90%, 95% of problems that Americans are facing with eating junk food, refined grains, seed oils, all of this processed garbage that we eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We don't even give our minds or bodies time time to fast and to just relax, you know, which is crazy to me. I fast every day. I fast 14, 16 hours every morning. I probably don't need to, but I do because it gives me that mental clarity. It allows me to get a great start. I'm sure you have some experience with with intermittent fasting as well. Um, Yeah, um, man. It's so interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Whole animal based. Yeah, community. yeah. I don't know if you've. I know you're very open minded just from speaking to you. So if you know you're more interested into that, I would definitely um, suggest looking looking into the research there with yeah. Well, based. you don't have to well, be dude, carnivore. Yeah, but more of an animal based type of a diet. There's just more nutrition yeah. from what I've been studying and the people that I've been following. Paul Saladino, Sean Baker. I just had Brian Sanders on my podcast. Sally Norton's coming on next week. She's like known as the oxalate queen in in uh, the health community, which I don't know if you know what 
You you know Ox, yeah. all about oh, Oxus, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is something new for yeah. me, man. I've learned dude, this in the crazy. last five, six months. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> dude, well, well, here's what I'll say. I'll sure. say this. Sure, sure. I, I feel like diet is a tool, right? Mm. And it just depends on what kind of tool you use when in your life, right? Mm. Um, and so – I remember when I was sort of like discovering this like way back in 2016, I was like, which mm. diet am I going to follow? I remember I, I remember I went on, uh, <laughs> I remember I went on like a 100% vegan plant-based okay. diet. Okay. And I think, I think literally my brain shut down for about a month. When you were vegan. And, yeah. And, 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 and what I would say is this is like, I think that number one is there's no such thing as a universal healthy diet. I don't believe that people should go, plant-based or keto it's literally it's entirely based on your gut microbiome it's entirely based on your lifestyle lifestyle but but we can't say that the the one universal is people have got to eat whole foods like nobody's made to eat oh sure processed foods and like the thing is like you can be ripped and eat processed foods like that's not really the matter but it's like you take a look behind the person's brain is your brain ripped right and so that's that personally for me is what i'm interested in so there's a study in my book that i talk about and I basically say this, they mentioned there's like the study they did it over. It took hundreds of thousands of vegetarians, vegans, plant based, those three groups. And they basically found that you have a much increased risk of depression, anxiety if you don't consume any animal foods. And so honestly, what I have learned is that. I honestly like. And again, I think that you can be plant based and you can supplement the right way and you could you could be healthy. But I honestly think that like, and to be honest with you, I don't necessarily agree with like going 100% carnivore either. But what I will say is like, it honestly <clears throat> kind of bothers me when I see people. And again, I, if you're plant-based or if you're vegan, I have no problem against you. You can do My it. My sister's vegan before. and that's, I, yeah. And so honestly, what I would say is like, I honestly wish that people could look behind the ramifications of yeah, the advice yeah. that they give for their diet. Because honestly, like to be honest with you, there are so many foods that are animals that are, that I would consider like mental health superfoods that mm. I would consider it extremely difficult. And I think the other issue too is like now, like, you know, the health and wellness industry like goes through like these trends, right? Mm-hmm. Of like all of a sudden, all the attention is on this. Now McDonald's and everyone's making a plant-based you know, burger and, and this and that. And I think the worst part about that is like when people are put in certain restrictive diets, especially a diet like being, a, you know, vegan and plant-based. Again, if you're doing this, I have nothing against you. I think you could do it in a healthy way. Yep. This has to be very specific. But what happens is like when you tell people, millions of people like that, they're not, they're not eating more, you know, like, like spinach or, 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 or vegetables what they're probably eating is just more processed foods because more processed foods are plant-based That's vegan yeah plant-based right and so i think <clears throat> that is the biggest issue and so again i don't have any problem if you're a vegan plant-based there's a way to do it uh and be healthy it's very hard though but honestly like like for someone being like in the mental health space i think it's extremely irresponsible for people to just say like oh you should be on a 100 <clears throat> plant-based diet because honestly, like that, that's not how science works. That's not how the amino acids in your brain work. That's not how mental mm. health works. Mm. And so what I would, I honestly, what I recommend is I think going like half and half or at least focusing on 
like the most important animal products, which is different for everybody. But generally speaking, in my opinion, and according to a lot of the science, that is uh, seafood, eggs, uh, red meat, things like beef liver. Mm, I think mm-hmm. that those are, are the most are the most like nutritious things that you could be in like seafood, sure. eggs, and then red meat. I think those are the best things that <clears throat> will give you the best thing for your buck. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And the one thing with seafood that, so obviously this is, this is newer to me, but it, it makes sense. And that's why I'm kind of adopting these principles. I actually just got on um, this guy, Paul Saladino. He's like, He's known as a yeah, carnivore MD. You, you know Paul know, Saldino, I'm sure, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know him personally, but I know I've listened. He's to him all right. over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the face of the carnivore community right now, and he's got this company, Heart and Soil uh, Supplements. I just ordered my first batch last month, and uh, I'm on the you know beef organs. There's kidney, there's heart, spleen, pancreas, liver. Um, you know, all great, rich, rich sources of um, animal-based nutrition. And the way I look at it is very simple. And I'm sure you're well aware of this as well because you had mentioned that you know all about oxalates and I'm sure other plant toxins like lectins and polyphenols. But, and I think that's a great starting point for most people. But since you're in the realm of wanting to almost kind of perfect. Right. This is expertise, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the next level. And that's, that's where I'm at because I've been looking at nutrition labels since the time I was 10 years old when I found out I was severely allergic to nuts. I had an wow. almost deadly reaction in 10th grade. I was eating nutty, nutty peanut butter, started to not feel good. I was vomiting profusely. I was rushed to the nurse's office. I didn't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> they called 911, rushed me to the hospital. I'm covered in hives, head to toe. I look like wow. a freaking alien. And they found out that I was allergic to peanuts and all nuts. And since that day, 10, uh, 14 years ago, when I was 10 years old, I had to read the ingredients in everything that I wow. ate and just above the ingredients are the nutrition facts. So that's when I got obsessed with protein, fats, carbs, and that was instilled in my mind since the time I was young. And then wow. recently, the last few years, it transitioned more to, well, not a few years, but really six to eight years ago, transitioned to that micro phase of making sure we're getting our right uh, vitamins and minerals, you know? So it just makes more sense to me, the animal. Avoid yeah. the toxins and consume the most nutrient dense foods. Now there's a lot of nutrients in plants, but those nutrients could be the precursor. Take um, carrots versus say like liver, retinol right. versus. Right. You never know. You but never you've know. heard all like, of this that I'm, I'm right. Right. No, but, heard no, but here's for sure. But what I would tell you is this, man, if you want to get specific about it. Um, so number, I mean, first off, number one is like, there are generally speaking, certain plants, certain vegetables that generally speaking, very few people have um, like like there's like there's not a lot of natural toxins in them. A lot of people are less allergic to them. Like certain certain of them is like is like lettuce, for example. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That's- there's 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 different things like that. Um, but here's what I would say: if you want to get specific about it, you can actually. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this thing called Viome, but I basically, what you can do is you can get your gut microbiome tested through a fecal test and through a blood test. And basically like what it'll show you is like, it'll, it'll test your bacteria and it will literally specifically tell you what you should be eating and what you shouldn't be eating. And so for example, like when I did it, it told me for a certain period, it was like, hey, Mark, you should not eat almonds because almonds are high in this thing called phytic acid. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of that in your gut. And the issue with that is when you are sort of consuming that, 
that's actually preventing your body from consuming the other nutrients from your other foods. Mm. And there was like some other things too. Um, like for example, like the other thing too, and I actually can show you this, like for example, yeah, I would love like, like you look, like you look at it and then you can sort of like look through all your my foods. It's hard to see. Oh, your your screen's not... a little blurry. I don't know if it's uh... I, there. You go. So like like so so it shows me my superfoods, which is like avocados. There's some apples. Um, there is um, lamb. There's nice. eggs. Uh, there's salmon. There's sweet potatoes. There's turkey. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. mushrooms. And then this for example, there's whole... different. Yeah, all whole foods. And then and yeah, then yeah. there's different there's different categories where it tells me like. Hey, you should enjoy this, but you should also, um, Mod- you know, moderate potentially it, maybe moderate. And there's ones yeah. that say like, "Hey, you shouldn't eat this." And so, for example, like what I found is like there's different plant viruses that sometimes can go in your gut microbiome. And so, for example, like I, like I know my like like my family, like they have they have this thing called the pepper virus, um, and then I have one called the blueberry virus, which sucks. Hmm. But basically, it's called the blueberry shock virus. And so they basically tell you, they're like, we we may think that when you eat blueberries, it triggers this virus that exists in your gut microbiome. And, and viruses are always going to exist in your body. You can't delete them. But sure. there's certain elements that can trigger them. And so that becomes the issue. And so, dude, yeah, I, I can talk to you about this off screen. But oh. you know, I, I, I literally wake up in the morning and I literally – read studies about nutrition and about the gut microbiome because it's one of those things that is is super super um super excellent and 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 super great and and like one of those things that's like it's like one of those things that you can do lifelong that just establishes like a baseline again it's not everything but it's one of those things that you can do that's like a a very good foundation that's really going to affect everything that you do it it is without a doubt who who was the founder of that company volume because i heard that on impact jane Naveen Jain. Naveen Jain, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Naveen Jain's my boy. I've had him on my podcast three times. Oh, I met dude, up with him. So cool, dude, man. I, dude, I met up with him in Seattle last year or the year oh, before so cool. that. Yeah, dude, he like showed me around his office. We like hung out on his rooftop. He had me on his podcast. Oh, he's that amazing, is awesome. dude. Good yeah, for you, like man. That's experience. freaking really cool. I love him. He's a really yeah, cool a dude. Man. I love his accent too, man. It's so like, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? It's so yeah, intriguing, it. man. Oh, I got to rewatch that episode. You it. had him on your show. I got to watch that episode. I had him, dude. That. I had him on my show like three times. Dude, that's so cool. How did you get him on? Just building a, a relationship with him online and you just reached out to for, him? For, first time I emailed him, didn't respond. Second time I emailed him, he responded. Cool, man. Cool. Sometimes yeah. it takes more than once, even two times. You know, you have to keep almost every, Almost many times. Many yeah. times, dude. At Paul Saladino, I reached out to him four times and he still hasn't. He's responded in in the DMs to you know tags and stuff like that, and I've uh, I've emailed him, but you know I'm still waiting, still waiting on a response. Dude, patience, man. Yeah, no, it's part of it, man. It's part of this game that we play. Um, but like I said, we're we're kind of. Are you limited on time, or do you have a little bit? I would, maybe yeah, we can I, hit would, some I would. Rapid I would love fire to wrap questions. up. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe if we have like some quick rapid fire questions to wrap up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I do still want to hit a couple of these. Um, yeah. So maybe we got, I could come back on your podcast in a year from now or later. We can always time. do that, man. We can always do that. So we've kind of talked a lot nutrition here in the last like 20, 30 minutes. Go figure. Um, yeah. But I, we didn't really talk about your like TEDx experience or your podcast or your book. So if you could kind of, I know that's like very broad, but 
maybe how those, you know, being featured in Forbes magazine, was it Forbes magazine you were featured in or no? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's like, that's like a big deal, man. How did, how did those, yeah. How did that happen? How did you get that to transpire? So what I'll say, I mean, so what I'll say is it's just, it's just all just doing the next thing. Um, Mm. But in terms of the Forbes thing, like that was really something that changed my life. I remember like at the, like towards the end of the summer of 2018, my podcast started to pop off. Yeah. Um, started to get some success. That's when I got Naveen Jain on yeah. um, for the first time. And then and then I basically started to get invite to like be a speaker at different people. People started to like hire me to help them with their podcast. Nice. Um, and then uh, and then someone literally just called me from Forbes and they were like, Yo, we want you to come in to our office in New York City and do a two hour interview about your life. And and so and, and so like I didn't cool. to be honest with you, I I tried to not overthink things given my history. And so I didn't really yeah. think about it. And I just showed that showed up there and I and I did it and, and like I went through this whole experience and I remember like walking out of the office like after two hours. It was like four o'clock or something. And I remember like looking up, the sun like hit me in my face. And I literally just like remember having like the craziest like life moment Whoa. of like 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 all of a sudden like all my life events like just being some kid who grew up and then and then now I'm Fast just like forward. just walk outside of Forbes and I'm like probably almost like got like what am I doing up a little here? bit man like holy yeah God. like that's yeah, like, what cool am I doing stuff. Here? yeah and it, it brings me back to like the beginning of like this conversation of like when I would ask myself when I was just like sitting down with my laptop, like in the darkness, like, man, what am I doing? All the stuff. Right. And then you just like have certain moments like this and it's just like, Oh my God, like I just got to keep going, man. So it's all just, it's all just, it's actually just common sense when you're in it. It's just the next thing, the next thing, the the next next thing. thing. These things lead to each other. Yeah. So how did, how did the TEDx uh, talk come about? How did you get, when was the that? same man? Someone, someone, someone just reached same thing, man. I'm telling you with all these things, like someone just reaches out or you do it. And so, yeah, man, it's really, it's really just like what I would say. The last thing that I would say is that if you can figure out a way to show up as yourself to the world as frequently and as consistently as you can, crazy yeah. things are going to happen. Like that's the best way I can put it. Like if you can make a podcast, do these episodes, you can show up somewhere, put out the authentic truth, like, and you're consistent about it. Yeah. You have the right intentions and, and you do it the right way, then People just see your heart, man, and they just give you a shot. And then next thing you know, you're successful, and then you're helping other people. Yeah. I love that, man. I love that. Now, wrapping up, I, I always end my show in one way, and that is asking uh-huh. my guest what that word relentless means to you, how you would define it in like a short in a short sentence. How would you define the word relentless? Me being relentless is um... – you know, when I uh, when I was sort of like suicidal and I saw the lowest point of my mental health in 2015, 2016. Yeah. What that what that really taught me was it's not really so much about the problems in life and the different issues that come. It's really about how my brain handles and perceives those issues. And so what I mean to say is like eventually I just got to this point where it's like, yo, literally worst case scenario, like even if my own brain is against me, I'm never going to give up. Like literally worst case scenario in my life. If every single person is against me, I don't have a family, no friends. My brain is against me. Mm. I'm still going to find a way out. That's beautiful, man. That's, that's truly is like, and that's what it's about. That's what being relentless is all about. It's showing up every day when you don't want to, 
when you're in pain, whether it's physically, you know, emotionally, mentally, you're just not all there. Um, but it's just about showing up day in and day out. It's about showing up and day in and day out. And then you just like have these moments where you're like, damn, like yeah, two yeah. years ago when I was like slaving away or I was struggling and I was bleeding and I literally had like no idea how I was mm-hmm. going to do this. And then you think like to where you are today and you're like, wow, you know, I, uh, I, I did it. And of course it's easy to say that like after, like after you go through it, like someone like me, Yeah, yeah. but honestly, but honestly, it's like, yo, I was literally the, like, not, I was the least talented, least smart, least, you know, fast thinking. And like, I was the least everything, man. <clears throat> and, and somehow I was able to find a way to, to, to do this. And so if I was able to do it, man, everyone he, can. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you hear that about so many different people who actually make it in this world. They, they came from a position of everyone. Oh, ev- I mean, it, they're all, all yeah, the real I, ones, the real, the real ones. ones. There's a lot of fake ones. But, there are the that were ones, maybe yeah. handed it or, you know, fell into a position of power or money, but no man, hats off to you for everything you've accomplished in, in your young life. It's uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what you're, what you're going to do. Um, so is there Thanks, anything that you wanted to add before we close out here? I, I will ask you uh, where where the people, where the listeners of The Relentless Life can find you, um, if you want to answer that. Yeah, I mean, just go, just Google my name, Mark Metry. But sure. what I would say Pretty to you easy. is, I say let's um, let's do this podcast again in the year. Let's do it April 28th, 2022. I would love that, man. I would let's love get that. Get in the calendar. Yeah. I think that's serious. Let's do it. Seriously, man. I, I, I would love it. Mark, it's, it's I been appreciate a, you, man. I appreciate you. It's been a pleasure. And until next uh, next year, April 28th, 2022. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Woo! Woo! Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, feel free to hit that subscribe button and leave a review. This helps further spread the message of The Relentless Life. You can find me on Instagram as Chance Galloway Fitness. I'm also available on LinkedIn and Facebook. If you have any questions following this episode, feel free to reach out to me at chancegalloway at live.com. Thanks again. Until next time, keep living consistently relentless.